You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is a good day. We get to chat with one of our chaplains today. Looking forward to sharing that story with you today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Chaplain Matt Christensen. He is chaplain with U.S. Army Chaplain Center and School in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Chaplain Christensen, thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. So tell us about your path that led you to becoming a U.S. Army chaplain. All right. My path started in 1993 as I enlisted in the military. And at the time, my wife and I had just married. In fact, we married and five days later, I found myself at Fort Jackson, South Carolina for basic training. Wow. Great way to, to start off. Uh, Happy honeymoon. Straight into the military. What was your path that, then? Uh, yeah, like after that. So what happened is I went through basic training and then uh, the advanced training to be a diesel mechanic. And then my wife and I served, and I always say my wife and I served because she's been along with me for the entire, we did three years in Germany from 93 to 96. And two of our kids were born there, Curtis and Caleb. Then we moved to Fort Huachuca, Arizona for a couple of years, had our third child, Katia. And then I went to Korea for a year as an unaccompanied tour and right about 2000, I decided that, you know, there's nothing much going on in the military and it was time to end my enlisted service. During my time though, I had several really good chaplains and a couple of not so good chaplains. Both those categories motivated me as I was thinking about and praying about and and having that internal call to serve as a pastor, to think about serving in the military as a chaplain. And so as, you know, a long story short, I got out of the military in 2000 and then started to go to school, Concordia University for a couple of years, graduated there, then went through St. Louis Seminary, took a call to Junction City, Kansas, Emanuel Lutheran Church for a couple of years, and then came back onto active duty as a chaplain in 2009. I've been serving on active duty as a, a chaplain endorsed by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, uh, ever since 2009. Wow, that's a, a, a great story of how you uh, became a chaplain. And thank you for your service for all of those years, both active duty and now as, a, as an active duty chaplain. Well, what has your service as a chaplain looked like since 2009? Have you moved around or, or stayed in one place? I have moved around quite a bit and I started off as a chaplain at Fort Riley, Kansas. So it was sort of interesting because typically you will move uh, somewhere where I was doing, you know, parish pastor work, Junction City, Kansas, and they accepted my packet and I accepted the call to serve on active duty. And I just changed from driving to Emanuel Lutheran Church to driving to the airfield of Fort Riley 
with my first unit, which was a uh, 2-1 GSAB General Support Aviation Battalion. And with that unit, I deployed to Iraq in 2010, 2011, so spent 12 months in Iraq. Coming back from that deployment, stayed at Fort Riley for a little while and then received orders to go to Fort Wainwright, Alaska. Went to Fort Wainwright, Alaska for four years, served with an infantry battalion in Alaska, and then moved to Fort Jackson, South Carolina to do a career course school for six months. Then went to Fort Benning, Georgia, where I served as a basic training chaplain for a 150 infantry battalion. So it was infantry basic training there at Fort Benning. Then we moved to Fort Blitz, Texas, where by that point I was able to serve as a brigade chaplain for an aviation brigade that deployed to Afghanistan. I actually met them on the deployment. So I get to Fort Blitz and drew all my gear and then went over and replaced the chaplain that was coming out of theater and served with them there for six months, came back to El Paso, Fort Blitz, Texas. And then went to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas for a year of school, and then came here to Fort Jackson, where I'm currently serving with the chaplains that go through their basic training. What does that formation for a chaplain look like? You've been all over, and so, yeah, serving in so many different places, I'm sure that that really shapes who you are as a chaplain and how you serve. Uh, I want to back up a little bit, though, and go to that formation uh, of a chaplain. What does that, that training, that education, that formation look like for a chaplain? Oh, so the formation for a chaplain, it starts off with a month where they essentially just learn the the basics and they'll learn the, the basic soldier skills, how to wear their uniform, the proper customs and courtesies, all of those, they start to do the, the physical fitness type things that, that soldiers do on a daily basis. And so for the first month of chaplain school, it's very interesting because you have a mix of pastors that are coming in that have no experience with the military whatsoever. So it is the first time they're putting on a uniform, the first time some of them are are even stepping foot on a military installation. And then sometimes you have people with prior experience, enlisted officer, even different branches of the military that come in to go through the training. After that initial month of you know, welcome to the army. Here's all the, the army stuff that you need to do. Then we start getting into chaplain specific tasks. So we teach them how to do memorial services and ceremonies. We teach them how to all the, the religious support for their unit, how the chapel system works, how they can support their, uh, commander and they advise their commander on how things are working within their unit. And then if they were to deploy overseas or somewhere, they also do like a religious area analysis of the theater of operation that we're going into. And it's basically what, what we're teaching them is army basics and then chaplain specific duties and responsibilities. And after they're here. We picked up a group in mid-September and then they'll graduate in the middle of December. 
And in that short period of time, some of them are going straight to their units and they're going to be the chaplain for battalion size elements. So anywhere from 300 to six, 700 soldiers uh, are who they're going to be providing religious support for. Wow. How did your service before becoming a chaplain help you now as your service as a chaplain and also in training other chaplains? Oh, so yeah, my, the prior service is very useful, very beneficial, especially because I, I have the perspective and know how things work from the enlisted side of the house. And I also served as a non-commissioned officer for several years. And so every chaplain works with a religious affairs specialist, which can be any rank from a brand new private to a seasoned non-commissioned officer. And having that background often helps bridge that gap between the enlisted side and the, the officer side. And I often, you know, use that experience and that knowledge to help the, the chaplains to understand the role of their soldiers, how that's different because as chaplains, we don't carry weapons. We're, we're non-combatants and then the religious affairs specialist is the one who bears the burden of being the, the weapon carrier and the one who actually protects the, the chaplain on the battlefield. And then they're, you know, they're assisting with everything from setting up services, printing bulletins, doing purchase orders for events. I mean, they they basically do all of the legwork and enable us to have those opportunities then to you know, share the gospel, present the class, what, whatever the situation is. Tell us more about the souls that you get to serve on a daily basis as a chaplain, from your early days as a chaplain to now serving in a way that you get to train new chaplains. Yeah, so the, the soldiers, I mean, that's who it is all about as a chaplain. And so from my, my first with an aviation unit, you have everything from all of the, the support personnel that do the maintenance, that set everything up to the, the pilots, the officers and warrant officers that are, are flying the, the helicopters and all of the staff. And what's great as a battalion chaplain, our job is to minister to all of those people. And so we're doing counseling sessions, we're doing religious services, we're doing Bible studies, we're working with our commanders to set up programs to help in whatever areas that they see there may be issues or weaknesses. So as a chaplain, you may go from a counseling session to a family event where you're helping spouses, you know, be better spouses for each other to, you know, uh, you find, you then find yourself in a training environment where, you know, the soldiers are, are qualifying with weapon systems or, you know, doing gunneries with their equipment and then all the way to a, a combat zone where you have all the, the stressors of being separated from family and then everything that's taking place in your a combat zone. And the chaplain just has a unique opportunity to be there, to offer a prayer, to, to be someone that people can go to in confidence. And then we have opportunity building those relationships to do 
confirmation type classes to, you know, have those Bible studies to be doing the, you know, word and sacrament ministry, baptizing those that um, are, are new to the faith and, and coming to the, the realization that they uh, would, you know, like to, to receive baptism into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And those opportunities are everywhere as a chaplain. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. We're talking with Chaplain Matt Christensen today. He's a U.S. Army chaplain at the uh, U.S. Army Chaplain Center and School in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. We have more to learn about uh, this wonderful vocation in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with Chaplain Matt Christensen. He's with the U.S. Army Chaplain Center and School in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. I'm learning so much. I know Sarah's like making notes like, I didn't know that. So many fascinating things about the ways that our chaplains serve. And Chaplain, you shared with us what a daily life looks like for a chaplain, the ways that you get to serve. You mentioned instruction. What does catechesis look like as a chaplain? You know, we picture catechesis maybe sitting down in, in a classroom, uh, in a classroom or, or in a pastor study or something like that or in a church. What does it look like, though, on the field? What does it look like for? All right. I will share one of my favorite times as a chaplain was when I was at Fort Benning working with soldiers who were receiving their training to become infantry soldiers. And at the time, they essentially were with they were with that training unit for 14 weeks. And what, what I found out as a chaplain is that the time that you spent with them could be rather short because they're training, they're going, you know, from sunup to sundown every day with all these training requirements. But what I did find is that on Thursday evenings, there was a small pause where I could get about an hour that I could offer Bible study for the soldiers that were going through training. And so every Thursday evening, uh, and my wife would go with me, we would go up uh, to our unit and the soldiers would get, that they wanted to come, it's completely voluntary, but the soldiers that wanted to come would receive that hour break from their drill sergeants, from their training, from all the things that were going on. And we would do a, a Bible study. And then I realized within 14 weeks, you could start going through the catechism, working through all of the, the parts of the catechism and adding that to the piece. And then what we started doing is as they would go to their final training exercise, we would go out and those that having gone through that catechesis, those who wanted to be baptized at that time, we would set up a, a service. And 
those soldiers would gather and then anyone that they wanted to come over and usually it was the entire company. So you'd have, you know, uh, 150 to 200 soldiers gathered around from all different faith backgrounds or no faith background at all. And at one point, Thanksgiving, a few years ago, we were able, we had 10 soldiers that had come forward and we went through and through the work of the Holy Spirit, able to baptize 10 of our new soldiers at one time with, within one service. Uh, and it's just, you know, to see the Lord at work with the young people that are coming in the military that are hungry wanting to grab a hold of something and then seeing them progress and, you know, as they understand that they grow in the faith and to be able to be there as they're receiving baptism. I mean, it's, it's an incredible uh, thing to be a part of. So it's one of my favorite times in the military so far. That is a pretty amazing story. I'm over here, like, not tearing up, I promise. Um, <laughs> I'm not crying, you're crying. Not crying. The, those stories are so great, though, and, and we see those come out of the, the ministry to their armed forces on their social media, all of the stories of, of the baptisms that happen through the chaplains that, that are serving with our armed forces, and those, those stories are so great. What What is the place of Word and Sacrament ministry in the life of a chaplain, whether you're on a base stateside or, or deployed on the field? Yes. So whatever installation a chaplain goes to on our orders that send us there, we're required to provide religious services, religious support for the garrison side. And so like the chapel systems and, and all of that, often those have more generic sort of Protestant, Catholic, you may have categories like liturgical or, or what have you. And as a, as an LCMS chaplain, that's one area that can be challenging to come in and to find a place to fit and to find a place where we can be faithful to word and sacrament ministry and not co-mingle, you know, with our fellow brothers and sisters who are serving as, as chaplains. And so that's always challenging, but there are opportunities. Like when I was in Alaska, I was given the opportunity to essentially establish uh, a Lutheran service. And so I was able to, uh, just set up and have a distinctly Lutheran church, Missouri Synod service that was taking place. And through the support of like Carolyn Brinkley at the Fort Wayne, the deaconess there, she was able to get me Lutheran service builder. And I was able to set up all the services with Lutheran service builders. So even without, you know, an organist or whatever, we could sing Lutheran hymns, go through the Lutheran liturgy. And essentially those that would come, if they weren't Missouri Synod Lutheran, then they would receive that education. And then those that were super appreciated being able to go to a, a Lutheran service on, you know, Fort Wainwright, Alaska on deployment or in the field. I often just go to wherever the soldiers are and I will set up a, a small service and I will typically invite any and all soldiers to come that they want to take part. I'll tell them that it's a Christian service and then I will, you know, have a, a service of the word. And then at the end of each of the service of the word, I'll specifically say, you know, I'm a Missouri Synod Lutheran chaplain. If I have anyone here who's baptized, confirmed Missouri Synod Lutheran, and you would like to stay, we'll be able to commune together. 
and then I'll release everybody. And then those that are Missouri Synod Lutherans stay behind and then I'll commune them. And so I'm able to combine where I'm able to do a service for any Christians that are there that want to take part. And then at the end of the service, I'll have a separate service of the sacrament for the uh, Missouri Synod soldiers that are there. Wow. It's great. I love it. What what a blessing I'm sure that is to the soldier serving. What do you see? What do you hear from those you serve? How having a chaplain is a blessing to them? Oh, talking with soldiers and yeah, there are so many soldiers out there that will say comments like, I would have never made it through my deployment had it not been for being able to talk with my chaplain or my marriage would have ended in divorce, except, uh, you know, my spouse and I were able to go talk to our, our chaplain, or I didn't think there would be any opportunity, you know, to have my baby baptized, but I realized that, you know, there's a infant baptizing chaplain here to provide that religious support. And so there's just so many opportunities and stories like that, and it, you know, talking with the soldiers out there that. Yeah, chaplains have a, a huge impact. They were all were often referred to as combat multipliers, which is sometimes a hard phrase to think about. But as we do our work, as we share, you know, the message of Christ and what He's done for them consistently, that's what you know feeds their soul, so to speak, and and often keeps them in the fight when things get difficult. Mm-hmm. Tell us about, so you mentioned your, your wife and kids. Tell us about that support that you have as a chaplain from your own family. Oh, and yes, my, my wife, Jessica, is, she is there all the time. She is often out there networking with the other spouses, doing things like coordinating. We, at most of our units, we would coordinate family groups of spouses that would be willing to go and help. If there was anything that came up either while we were in the field or on a deployment, they call them care teams. And so my wife's been involved with setting up the care teams, training them on how to go in and and help families out if they're having a difficult time for whatever reason. She's volunteered with all kinds of community spouses, clubs, and groups that are doing things for the soldiers, whether that be, you know, Chris toy drives or Thanksgiving you know, food drives or, or whatever it is, the spouses can be there. And then my wife is always helping setting up, you know, services, religious services, wherever we're doing those, setting up events, you know, family events. She's usually behind the scenes. Our kids were often behind the scenes, sometimes not voluntarily, but, you know, they were there helping out, setting things up. And it, as we did that, our middle son, Caleb, as we were in Alaska, actually decided uh, himself at, at 17 that he was going to enlist in the military. And uh, he enlisted and had already served his four years as an infantry soldier and is out of the military now and going to college. But it's like, you know, it carries on. And so, you know, as he saw the military, he saw everything that was going on. Then he himself was willing to volunteer and to do a four-year enlistment as well. 
It's November this time of year. We, particularly as Americans, are thankful for those who have served, for those veterans. What message do you want to share with our veterans today? For the veterans, I really want to share the fact that sometimes some of our veterans are are overshadowed or overlooked. So a couple of categories of our veterans that become overlooked are those whose spouse is in the military and maybe they do, you know, one term or a few years and then their spouse goes on to retire from the military. And we often honor the, the, the retired spouse on Veterans Day, but we sometimes forget the one who served, you know, an initial enlistment or an initial time as an officer and then you know, was a mom or a dad or, and then worked. And then, and, and so there's that category, those that are overshadowed. So I want, want to say, you know, thank you for your service. Also those, we think of veterans, we often think of the older, the Vietnam, the Korean war, the world war II veterans, but there's that category, like my son who are in their early twenties and they are veterans. They've served a term. They may be even deployed for a while. Uh, and we have those combat veterans. And then there's a, a final category of veterans that are often overlooked and they're those who served, but not during combat. And so, you know, they don't have the combat patches, the, the medals and awards and those types of things that we often forget those who faithfully served during peacetime. I so for all those you know, veterans who everybody knows and identifies, but also those veterans who sometimes are overlooked or overshadowed, just want to, you know, say thank you for your service. And as we think about veterans and those who serve and hearing those words, thank you for our service, I like to respond with thank you for your support because our military exists to serve the civilians of our nation, Nathan, our military is under civilian control. And without all of these civilians who give that support, we wouldn't have the military that we have and the peace and the freedom that we have in the United States. Our guest today, Chaplain Matt Christensen, is with the U.S. Army Chaplain Center and School in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Chaplain Christensen, thank you so much for joining us on the Coffee Hour today. Thank you very much. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.